Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Brian Wool. And I'm Mark Musinski. And we are best friends. My Favorite Friendship is a true friendship podcast, much like a true crime podcast, but instead of talking about murder and how to avoid it, we're talking about friendship and how to get into it. Looking at famous friendships from the past, the present, and concepts of friendship, scenarios of friendship, and maybe even friendships that aren't that famous, just ones that are interesting because Mark and I are trying to learn how to get better at making friends. We want to learn how to be better friends to the ones that we already have. We are in the pursuit of the most excellent and perfect friendships, and so are our listeners. So welcome, my friends, to My Favorite Friendship. Uh, My Favorite Friendship is also a podcast made by friends, for friends, and we need more friends. And the way that we can do that is for you to reach out to your friends and say, Hey, you remind me of the friendship of Hunter S. Thompson and Oscar Zeta Acosta in that we are uh, psychonauts who have (laughs) decided to go and indulge in all sorts of mind-bending and expanding and maybe even compressing at certain times uh, substances uh, as we deal with the pressure and horror of the world that we live in. Uh, Hey, friend, you remind me of the friendship of Yo-Yo Ma, Chris Thiele, and Edgar Meyer in that we love playing music together. Hey, friend, (laughs) you remind me of the friendship of Albert Einstein and Charlie Chaplin in that we both have mustaches. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All three of those are really on a similar level. (laughs) Uh, we, we start every My Favorite Friendship episode the same way, and we recommend it's a great thing to do with your own friends. Check in. Mark, how has your week in friendship been? What's happening? Well, so uh, for anyone who listened to the previous episode, uh, they would know that my wife and I are expecting our first child. And as a part of that, we're also uh, frantically looking, not frantically, but we're looking for another place to live that might be a little bit bigger. And it's been really interesting to me. Obviously, we have a lot of big concerns about, like, where would the baby go and things like that. But as part of that, like, your home is also a a really crucial part of your friendships. Uh, Our home right now doesn't have any outdoor space. Or I guess it has a shared courtyard. But it doesn't have any uh, sort of private outdoor space. And it has really made it challenging to see people, especially when the various waves of the pandemic get get really high and we've been extra cautious because of the pregnancy and so finding a place where we could have you know just like two people over sometimes that that's like a big deal and then on top of that you have all of the other concerns about like how would we arrange this home so that it's inviting for people so that friends you know we could have people over to watch a movie or if we had a party here like where would it go and even though we don't necessarily have to make all those decisions and we may not get everything on our wish list I, it really struck me how much your home is kind of a, a platform and a tool for friendship. Oh, I, I certainly treat mine as one. And I feel like we, when you and I lived together, we, we worked on that too. And just trying to make a place that's welcoming. Because mm-hmm. it's expensive to go out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and although it's important, 
it, it's expensive. And so it's a lot more advantageous to have a, a great space that you can control that can host. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, uh, that's incredibly important. Uh, you know, uh, for our uh, uh, rehearsals and cast parties for every Octavaria show, it was, it was all pretty much at our apartment. Oh yeah, and uh, for for this latest production of Wizard of Friendship, everything was pretty much at Keith's house. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. he's the only one that's really got a place that can have us all. And uh, he, I, one thing that was so fascinating, and everybody remarked about it, was before Keith's the cast party that he threw, he hung up extra lights around his yard to make the place more warm, lit up, and welcoming. And also, he and Becky moved some of their yard furniture to over closer to their, their back garage to hmm. create an entirely new social area that was used. It was incredibly thoughtful for the various gathering places they had outdoors for people to have a really wonderful evening together. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you to them. For setting a good example on how to use a home in that way, what uh, so what what have you been up to this week in friendship? Well, you know, so far just doing. I, I did a show today or yesterday in El Segundo, and it was so fun to go on another friend's show and know that this is his project that he's put together, and you know, he does the promotion, he he sets up the lights, he sets up the the stage. And does all of these things to put on this show. And it's always fun to meet new comedians on this show. Other folks that I, I haven't met before. And so it was, it was really cool. I, there's so much about doing stand-up that is, I think, fantastic for friendship. And yeah. it's so fun because in so many of the friendships that we've covered, you know, a lot of friendships start by telling another person a thing you admire about them. And stand-up comedy, you literally are getting on stage trying to impress one another, you know, trying to make people laugh. And so when people laugh, I can always say, like, oh, hey, Justin, I loved your joke about bananas or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's a great way to start a conversation with somebody who you've never really met before this this show. Yeah. That's great. Well, and... Uh, going on another friend's show is actually a great segue into today's topic because it's one of many examples of different ways in which you might work with your friends. I'm so glad that we're talking about working with friends on this show right now because, A, the show is literally two friends working together. It's true. And and we, we, we have covered a few relationships, friendships uh, that have worked together uh, including Lou Berger, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and Mariska Hargitay and Christopher <laughs> Maloney. Oh yeah, you know George Clooney, Brad Pitt. I, I mean, almost all of our friends work together in some sort of aspect. Yeah, there are there are really only a few of the friendships that we've covered that never worked together and were just friends. And it, I would say there's a lot of different ways this could happen because I feel like we we've talked about i don't know that we've done a whole episode about uh the idea of just being friends with your coworkers, which is sort of a different thing i think um 
in this sense, we're talking about like working on a project together uh, where where it's somebody's, you know, somebody's creative vision and you're all working together to fulfill it. And sometimes it's... See, I, and- I didn't... I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I didn't entirely think of it that way. I also thought of being friends with somebody and then you work together. So oh, it could yes. be... Yes. It could That's- be not even on a creative project. It could be, you know, like, I, I work as a bartender. So, like, uh, you know, there, there was a time where my buddy Phil, who I used to work with at, at Starbucks years ago, needed a, a job. And I recommended Phil to come join me at, at our job. And my friend, who, who was a former coworker, but, you know, had now become my friend became my coworker again. And then mm-hmm. it was a slightly different environment because instead of entirely as equals, I had seniority and I recommended Phil for the job. So if Phil had failed or, or misbehaved, it would kind of reflect upon me, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a lot of... So I feel like if we wanted to, to divide this up just for clarity of moving through the topic, I think that's a great example of of one of these types of situations where you're friends and you wind up working together for somebody else. And even though neither of you are necessarily like the owner, the boss, the leader of the thing, there are often these kind of dynamics. And even if, you know, like you said, there's obviously seniority, there might be other hierarchies. I know lots of people who have, you know, they've been a boss and they've hired a friend to work for them. Um, or they've, you know, recommended a friend to be their boss, has happened before. Uh, and and even when there's not, there is always that that dynamic of, of the non-hierarchical part, like you're saying, where you've sort of put yourself on the line, or your reputation on the line, to vouch for this person. And, yes. And the reality is that the qualities that make a great friend are not necessarily the same qualities that make a great employee. And uh, and I think it's um, it's tricky sometimes because people you like you want you want to help them in general and you want to see them succeed even if it's not directly related to you and, and recommending them for a job is like a way to do both of those things and uh, and I and it's uh, it's often one of the kindest things you can do for someone because money is obviously an important part of capitalism, a capitalist society, and also careers are a major part of people's lives. It's where you spend, I'd say, the majority of your time is between, you know, working and whatever, if you have any other things that you do, stand-up comedy being a great example, like between that and work, that's probably most of your waking hours. Mm. Um, so have I, you... I, I don't know about you, I'm not the quickest to recommend friends to come into my workplace. It's it's certainly something that I uh, when I when I do it I, I think hard about it before I, I say oh yeah this is this is my friend and I and I want you to really consider bringing them into this this workplace because it's uh, it's it's a delicate situation because not every workplace like you said is conducive to uh, your friendship <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I think there's a couple of versions of this. There's one where, uh, I, you know, or I guess th- I've definitely been in situations where I could throw a friend's name in, you know? Um, mm. And I've also been in situations where uh, there's something, especially in um, 
in in writing, you know, I've been in situations where it's like, oh, I've heard of a show that's hiring writers. And that's a very sought after job for a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot, a lot of people who are interested in that job. And it uh, it becomes, you know, there are times where um, sometimes you choose not to say that you're aware of something like that to protect friendships, even if you are recommending them, you know, or there are times where you have to be a little candid about it. Like, they're candid or coded, depending on what the situation is. I've, I've had times where I've been like, hey... Uh, I would like to recommend you for this. Just so you know, I have absolutely no power over what happens. You know, like all I can really do is add you to a pile. Um, and and there have been other times where I've been even more secretive, like, hey, I've heard of something. If you have a writing sample, send it to me, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the reality, and I, I'm curious if you've experienced this, like, like in the situation with Phil and stuff, is... Like, Phil was very qualified for that job, and you knew from working with him before. So, although he was a friend, you had also seen him at work. And there are a lot of times where, um, you know, there's people, there's jobs where I'm like, I think this person is awesome. But I, I am not as confident that they're right for this specific job. Or I just don't know enough to confidently say that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think... it's. It's so important to be able to see your friend in the work environment before you can really, you know, <laughs> yeah. put that out there. And obviously sometimes you just like a person and trust them and, and you think they can do it. And that often works well, too. Uh, there's a, the, mm-hmm. on the, the job that I have right now. Uh, my writing partner recommended a friend of hers, uh, who I, I was aware of, but she's closer with. Although now I get to say that I am closer with him because of this experience. But she recommended him and they really liked, they met with him. They really liked his writing. He ended up working on the show and he's done very well. Uh, and and that's it's such a blast and it's fun. But there are also moments where people, you know, people who, it, it creates an extra layer of dynamics in a workplace where everyone's, you know, supposed to be, vaguely on a level playing field sometimes they'll look at people who are pre-existing friends and be like oh they're friends are they talking about us you know uh luckily we have not experienced that much in this show but i've I've seen it before and i felt it before you know in times where people have a pre-existing relationship and you're all supposed to be collaborating but you know that they hang out on the weekends you know and you're like am i missing out on stuff or are they planning you know you know what i mean I know exactly what you mean, because I also had a similar situation come up recently where a friend of mine applied for a job at my at, at the bar restaurant that I work at, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that he was doing it yet. So I didn't tell anybody that I knew that this was happening or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he applied, had an interview, mentioned my name, but I was unaware that any of this happened. And so it ended up not really helping him mm. because uh, they were like, well, why wouldn't Brian have told me that he was coming? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're a strike against them because you didn't mm-hmm. say anything good. Yeah. And they asked me, 
they they mentioned something to, about him after the fact, and I was like, I'm, I'm afraid nobody told me that they were coming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I certainly would have told you about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like him. I'm, uh, but from the way that they reacted, they didn't enjoy their meeting with him or whatever. Yeah, but you know. So I, th- I think it just it came off awkward. Things things ended up awkward for him, and he didn't get the job. Have you ever been the one getting recommended for the job? I have. I I have uh, gone in for a couple of interviews. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the job where a friend recommended. Me. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. No, I I same. I I did get one job that a friend recommended me for. And then ended up, it was a very, very short project. You know, it was really only probably four days or so. Um, but ended up working there. And I, I I know you had mentioned it earlier of like you had, you in order to recommend your friend, you had to vouch for them. And I felt very, I tried to be very aware of that. And it, not that I wouldn't otherwise do my best, but it really made me try to represent them well. You know what I mean? And and have oh, you, yeah. in that experience, like when you were in that interview, were you aware that you were recommended by a friend and that your performance would reflect on them in some way? Yes, one hundred percent. And uh, and it was, and they would make it clear to me that that was why I was in there, and what they and what they were looking for, mm. and uh, I I took those moments very seriously and made sure to represent myself as accurately as possible because I did not want to lie about aspects of or skills that I did not have. Because hmm. then yeah. it would seem like, oh, this this friend just shoved Brian in here because they're friends and he's not really qualified, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to... Say like, okay, look, you know this. This is the experience I have. You know, am I am I an expert in this field? Absolutely not. I'm an expert in this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, for example, uh, I'm sure this is fine to mention. Phil <laughs> Ranta had me in uh, for one of the video game projects that that he did. Oh yeah, uh, he works he works a lot in esports, mm-hmm. and he asked me about my experience with esports. And my experience with esports is very limited. Mm-hmm. You know, do yeah. I do I know about games? Do I know about how to make videos and how to do social media stuff? All that stuff, I totally do. Mm-hmm. But could I, you know, be a convincing expert on esports? No. And you know, could I learn? Of course. But but did I have, you know, was I an expert at that time? No. And yeah. I, and uh, although I know that you know Phil brought me in and respects me as a friend and and has a lot of respect for me, uh, you know, in in comedy and producing things, but I also wasn't going to tell him like, "Yo, man, I know everything about esports," <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, and I think that's part of. I think people are often scared about looking bad in that situation, but the. I think the real danger is performing badly, which usually comes from overselling what you're capable of, you know? Uh, yeah. And um, that 
that is probably the biggest danger to your friendship is is not being truthful like you were about what you can and can't do on this job. Yeah, I guess, yeah, probably the best move and what I did uh, focus on was I wanted to make sure that my friendship with Phil continued. Mm-hmm. And I, as badly as I needed and wanted a job like that at the time, um, I prioritized the, my friendship with Phil because I still have a belief that some day down the line, if something opens up where Phil you know, needs someone like me, he would call me. Yeah. And I think, but, and I, I, and I value that more than getting the job in in the immediate. That's a really good move. I don't know, man. (laughs) I actually think that's a great way to encapsulate this whole situation, which is your friendship is probably going to last longer. Hopeful. If you care about this person as a friend, your friendship should last longer than any job and should, could in, in theory, be more fruitful than any job. I guess if you don't care about your friendship and you care about the job more, then, you know, then that's not what this podcast is talking about. Uh, you know, go do whatever you want, you mercenary. But uh, but in in the situations we're describing, you do care about this friend. and let Because the reality is, if you care about that friend and you're trying to do what it would take to make that friendship succeed and sustain... Uh, that that involves doing your best possible work at this job they recommended you for. Um, but that is not the only way to work with your friends. Because sometimes you're not both co-workers. Sometimes one of you is in charge. And so I think that is another way to work with your friends that we should talk about. Uh, ha- have you... I guess you just came off of a project where you were a performer for... Keith and Alex and Huey's show. How was that different? Because we've also worked, we've created shows with them before. How was it different to work for them? Man, it was uh, it was wild because we have had different friend or different dynamics before, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had to remind myself, you know, what this job is, what our dynamic is what my role is and how can I do that to the best of my ability. So in a sense, it's identifying what you're being brought in to do. Uh, it's, it's sort of Confucian in a way that it's about your role in the project. And if Mm -hmm. you can fulfill that role, uh, you are, you are providing what they had hoped from you. And that will probably also be most beneficial for your friendship because you're not trying to do stuff outside your role. <laughs> totally. And then, and also if you want to do it on the Aristotelian thing, it, it takes our pure true friendship and we're moving it into more of a friendship of utility. Yeah. They need you know? something from and, you or have yes. asked something of you and you've agreed to give it. And yes. And I do think it's tricky because I've been in situations where, you know, you're working with friends and, uh, an employee friend in this situation might be like mm-hmm. uh, taking a little bit of advantage of it. You know, they're friends with the the director or the owner or the whatever, you know, whoever's in charge. And they're like, they come in late or they aren't that good at their job and they don't try very hard uh, or, you know, or any number of things where they're not. And, and then 
sometimes sometimes they're not performing their role very well, but they're also performing things that aren't their role. They're giving other people direction. They're sidebarring with their friend who's in charge about things that are not within their purview. Uh, it's crazy when both the poor performance and overreaching happen at the same time, but it's not that uncommon. Uh, and I think it becomes difficult for everyone else in the project to fulfill their roles when they realize all the roles are being, you know, thrown into a bag and, and dumped out on the ground. Yeah. I, I, for me, in, in the case of this Wizard of Friendship production, I very much took it upon myself to... Well, geez, I've worked with these guys the most of anybody, so I better reinforce whatever it is that they're doing as as best as possible. So when they ask us to learn something, I will know it by the next yeah. rehearsal, you know, and things like that. That's great. I, I mean, I love thinking of it not just as doing, you know, playing your role, but also setting an example of what, you know, doing it in such a way that other people can look to you to help find their own place in the project. Yeah. It's just, and all, and not, not to like necessarily, you know, make them feel like they're not working hard enough, but just to know they can lean on me. Yeah. You know? And I think emotional support, the same kind friends often give can be incredibly valuable in any kind of pro, you know, people who start businesses together, people who do, or start businesses and hire their friends. There's all sorts of situations um, where a friend can actually provide a lot of value that just a, an employee you didn't know previously can. And I know I was just talking about the sort of the obvious stereotypical bad scenario, but there's also a lot of times when uh, hiring friends means they care about you and they care about your project more than a stranger would. And they can bring something to it from knowing you outside of this context. They can understand what you're asking for, they can understand how you like things. They can understand when you need help, when you need them, you know, when you need to speak up, when you need to be quiet. There's a lot of contextual information that friends have uh, that can that can really help. Uh, now, one other aspect that I haven't really talked about is like when I've done videos for Try Guys and you know, Keith has his entire staff that work for him. Mm -hmm. And that is an entirely different relationship than like the Luberger thing where there's, you know, there's the, uh, the guys that are in charge and then everybody else. Whereas like in Try Guys, Keith is one of the owners, but then there's the producers that work for him and then the production assistants and, and other folks that are, that are working the other jobs you know, whether it be social media and whatnot, but there's another hierarchy within that workplace yeah. that is completely different. That's that's and so true. And you as a friend have a an inside line to a, a boss of theirs, which is an incredibly important relationship in their life. And so you kind of need to be aware that you hold a strange, uh, a strange privilege, whether, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, there's a like a an interesting extra layer of power dynamic going on there. Completely, and it's it's so it's weird. It's you know it's some like you didn't real you don't realize it until you're in it, and then you're like, oh gosh, well 
I should really, you know, make sure that I'm representing my friend well and representing myself well, uh, you know, understanding that, you know, this is other people's jobs, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so, you know, this is their everyday thing. It's yeah. It's so... It's such an interesting dynamic to step in and out of after yeah. having various other dynamics within a friendship. Because definitely the flip side is all of these people who are doing their jobs looking at you yeah. not pulling your weight and being like, oh, this, this guy's only here because he's friends with the boss. Yeah. And it's, it's so wild to... <laughs> To be around, but it, it's something to be cognizant of. If you want to be a good friend in the workplace, you got to be cognizant of these things, and and you know, make sure you're doing your due diligence. Otherwise, you won't get asked back. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I know you've done this when uh, in various shows we've worked on, like Battle for the Belt, or uh, some of our stand-up uh, and variety show performances, where we've had friends work for us. What is it like to be the one in charge? The opposite of, you know, kind of what we were just saying. Man, I I haven't really been in charge in a long time. So, it it's it's been a while, but I I'd say certain times I handled it better than others. When I was younger, I definitely was a lot more intense about <laughs> everything and it, it uh I think didn't lead to the best work environment. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, as I got older, uh, I'd say the last time I was really in charge of a project that I can remember <laughs> was uh, when I was taking out our, you know, kind of B squad on the Octavarius tours. Oh, yeah. It would be me and then a bunch of uh, younger improvisers that were friends of ours that were not original Octavarius members. And that, that was definitely... Uh, a change and yeah. uh, I I feel like I handled that a lot better than stuff that I did when I was younger um, I, I think it was in the and how I did it better was trying to make everyone's responsibilities and roles very clear to them mm. uh, and knowing that that was the expectation and nothing more, nothing less. This is what it is. Yeah. And I felt that by giving people defined expectations, it really allowed for a healthier work environment from the get-go. That makes a ton and of that, sense. And it's kind of also, yeah. it's the, the opposite of what we were saying uh, as the employee friend as the as where as the employee friend you're looking for what is your role as the boss friend part of your job is to make those roles clear for people and show them how they can succeed uh, and and also to you also do have there's some element of like leading by example a little bit like if you're not being disciplined about things you're no one's going to be more disciplined about things than you are if you're the boss, if that makes any sense. So the the people working for you that are your friends, they're like, is this a hangout? Is this a is this an office? Like what is they're kind of trying to gauge how much friendship and how much work how much coworkerness is happening in any given moment. And so I think 
obviously you don't need to be a hundred percent coworkery, but you also need to know that they're not going to enforce the rules if you're not going to. Definitely. And I, I don't know. I, I got a lot of inspiration from a book that we got in college from our directing classes. It was called hmm. on directing. Do you remember this? I think so. I must have read it in directing one. Let me, I don't, let me see. I'm going to take the H6 over to my, my bookshelf here and see if I can find it. Uh, But there, it was a very, it was a, it was a very thin book just on directing for the theater specifically. So don't think about it. Oh, it's called Notes on Directing by Hauser and Reich. Hmm. That's what it's called. Notes on directing. Mm-hmm. And there were so many great bits of advice on being the director of a play in that book. And one of them that I, that I loved was it, it said, allow yourself to make mistakes and show that you're making mistakes hmm. so that those people that are working for you can see that this is an environment that's safe to make mistakes and it's where mistakes will happen in this rehearsal process or whatever this yeah. process is. That's great advice. Yeah, so much of it and comes from you. Your your tone becomes the tone of the project. And if you yes, want people to have your fun, energy. Yeah. Yeah, like that vibe will permeate everything that's happening. So if you're like really anxious about everything then everyone's gonna feel that way and if you're calm and collected then everyone will be calm and collected and i think if you can do that matters yeah uh and and you want your friends to like it's tricky because there are times where it's like your friends are goofing off you want to join them but you can't because you're running a project right now. You're here in charge in the moment and you sometimes have to get people back on track. But I will also say from my also, you know, not my limited experience being the boss boss that long-term people will be, your friendship will be happier if you do a good project than if you goof off in the moment. Like if you goof off in the moment all the time and the project is bad, Everyone will just remember that you led a bad project. But if you goof off the right amount and set a good tone and help everybody succeed, even if sometimes it means, you know, being being a boss and not a friend, the end result is everyone will walk away going, wow, that project was awesome. I'm so glad I worked on that with my friends. Um, assuming they have any sort of pride in their work. But also, that's a quality I look for in my friends. So I hope that it's something that I've correctly identified. And also, some of it, too, is like (laughs) sharing. And this is hard because you can't always achieve it. But if you can, share the investment in the project. Like, if you're like this, if you keep being like, my show is going to be amazing, then everyone will just think of it as your thing. But if you can make it our show or, or whatever, whatever it takes to like let them feel a little bit of ownership in it, then that, that might translate to their performance as well. And then I guess the last relationship dynamic is when you're both in charge 
and your friends working together. And I think this, obviously, when we were younger, we did this constantly. We we're basically doing this around the clock uh, in whatever projects, shows, web series, videos, podcasts we were doing. And it's it's difficult, and it gets exponentially more difficult the more people are the group of friends that are in charge. Because not everybody can have their way all the time. Not everyone can be the star in any given moment. But at the end of the day, you're all, most often, you're all co-owners sharing the you know, whatever the product is. And you have to find a way to all be happy with that. And it takes a lot of uh, communication, I guess I would say. You know, I I felt like we managed it pretty well for the, you know, for what we did with Octavarius while we had it. But mm-hmm. obviously, it didn't entirely work out. The bro- the the group broke up, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I will also say that these things, are, like any anything like this, a project, a business, a, a whatever, a job, like these are all processes. And there are times mm-hmm. where, through the course of doing, of performing together and making shows together. Uh, people grew and changed. Like, we realized we wanted to move to Los Angeles and try to continue this. Not everyone felt that way. And I feel like it, those things are very natural. In Even in a, you know, businesses change course, jobs change responsibilities. All this stuff happens. And when, especially when you're, when there isn't a clear hierarchy of who gets to decide what, it really takes open communication to determine, like, is this still what we want? Is this the thing we set out to do? And if not, then let's be honest about it and either re- get aligned again or or change to something else. Uh, and I, th- I think similarly to when, when you're both co-workers, you know, for somebody else, I feel like a lot of that key is is honesty and openness you know there's not a lot of value in concealing your true motives because all you're going to do is upset somebody later whereas if you're clear about what you want why you're here working on this thing uh and also similarly i think the key is knowing that you prioritize the friendship over the project or the job or the whatever it might be because if you're doing what's best for the friendship and what's best for the friendship isn't working together anymore then you should probably not work together (laughs) yeah especially when you're both in charge so you're not necessarily like receiving a salary and being told what to do the last thing i'll say about projects you create together is that they can often be very fun ways to stay in touch I know I've heard Keith mention this sentiment about, like, it's just hard to see people when you're not working on stuff with them because everyone just gets so busy. And sometimes having a project, it, it, it sort of helps everybody have a shared goal. Uh, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to, like, be too busy to, like, go over to a friend's house and watch a movie together, no matter how well they've set up that home. Uh, but... But it's a lot harder to blow off something when you've committed to it. It's essentially, yeah, it's just a commitment, really. And, and hopefully 
the commitment results in something you're all proud of. And one of the things that I know we talked about a lot, especially when we were younger and just doing improv, stuff that's not generating revenue per se, if you're not getting paid in money, you're getting paid in pride. And you have to be proud of what you're doing together. Because if you're not, then what are you doing? Got to be careful when you're paying people in pride. Yeah. It's always a dangerous game. Well, or I should say, or you're getting paid in fun. It, uh, you know, not all projects are fun every single moment, though. So that's the challenge. Because almost no role on, for anyone or anything is 100% fun all the time. Um, even, like, even people who are just, like, uh, playing video games to rate them still have to fill out detailed reports about their experience, you know? Like, that was my example yeah. of a universally fun job video game tester. <laughs> but, you know, but you, but I guess consider what your friends are getting out of it. And I think that's maybe for when you're in charge of the project and you're hiring your friends, a worthwhile consideration too. Like, ask yourself, what is my friend getting out of this? It's easy to think, oh man, I have a friend who's like awesome at pottery and I'm trying to make a, a pottery store. So I'll ask them to make me some pottery. But like... Any good friendship, one of the Aristotelian principles is like you want you want positive things to happen to that person for no with no gain to yourself, you know? You wish well yeah. for them. And it's worth remembering that if you're asking your friends to work on stuff, it's like what are you hoping they will get out of this? It's honestly probably a good thing to ask when you're hiring anybody or, or starting a project with anybody, whether or not they're a friend is like, what are they going to get out of this? Um, Oh yeah. And make sure that they're on the same page and they want to get that thing because then, then again, it's the same openness, honesty, and communication. The same thing you need to make a friendship work. It's just another complicated layer to friendship, I guess, working together. And so it just takes even more of those same resources. Is there any other experiences or weirdnesses or surprising things that you're curious about with working with your friends? I guess one thing that kind of relates is, you know, in how I talked about recommending a friend for a job at the beginning of this episode was considering is how does this fit? Hmm. You know, how do they how does this fit the environment is the environment? Uh, in a, a fit for my friend um, how if not how can I make it that way and uh, and if it's harder to to make it that way then maybe there isn't a fit there yeah and that's so a really great thinking about the fit I think is important yeah. will they get along with the other people will they enjoy this type of environment can and when you're the here? one in charge of the project, how how are you going to create an environment that is the best fit for everybody? Yeah. And how can you uh, assemble your staff as people that fit together? Yeah. That's all. And I do think, you know, you don't have to be friends to successfully work together. But when you can, when you are friends before or you can become friends through the process it often can add so much 
and you know, definitely an increasing level of complexity and communication, but also an increasing level of joy and reward and comfort and emotional support through the process. So I guess ultimately, I think working with your friends is great. And maybe I should have led with that before we got into the specifics. But it, but it, as long as, as long as you respect them, them and you make sure to put the friendship first. Because jobs will come and go, but friends are forever. I've, I've pretty much since I was in you know, high school and college, I, my dream has been to work with my friends. Mm-hmm. It has been, uh, I, I got a real taste of it in high school. We were allowed to put on our own play and we had to apply and, and, you know, submit and all that stuff. And my buddy, Adam Dick and, uh, my other buddy, Ross Peasel made the submission and they were the directors of the play. And Tony Malazzo, who we, we did an episode with, he was a mm-hmm. part of that play and as was I, and I was, was pretty much convinced after that 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 was something I wanted to do was just work on projects with my friends and I had great fortune to do that in college with you and Keith and mm-hmm. our, our buddies in what would eventually become Octavarius and then eventually the Octavarius touring company and mm-hmm. then you know the friends that we've worked with out here in Los Angeles the first you know large larger production that we put up was how Hans Gruber stole Christmas and who did we put in the cast? But most of our friends from Illinois, you know? Yeah. Almost entirely. I think there was only one person that we didn't already know very well. Yeah. So it was, and that, that has pretty much continued. (laughs) Yeah. Right up until last week when you closed wizard of friendship and yeah, hopefully on into the future. Yeah. So well, I, I gotta tell you, it's it's my favorite way of doing things, and I I hope this episode helps everyone listening and have a a better mindset about going into this sort of thing. And I hope it made you want to do it because I love working with my friends, and I I hope you guys get that great fortune as well. Well, if I were somewhere in the world and I wanted to find friends to work with, where should I go, Mark? You should head out to Los Angeles, California. Gosh, we have so many great friends in Los Angeles that have been listening. And if you're not in L.A. or or the area around it, you should head to the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, or maybe even Chicago, Illinois, our, our former hometown. What a great spot. Or if you find yourself on the East Coast of the United States, go to Brooklyn, New York. We've got a lot of great listeners in Brooklyn. Or... If you're in Australia, go to Brisbane, uh, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. It's yeah. a great place to go. Uh, if you're on the Pacific Northwest, get out to Portland, Oregon. A lot of great My Favorite Friendship listeners in Portland. Or if you find yourselves north of the border in Canada, you should go to Toronto. A lot of great My Favorite Friendship listeners in Toronto. But if you find yourself in Europe, friendliest city in Europe, Utrecht. Got to get out to Utrecht. Such a great place. I, You know what? It's on my list now because they're so great. 
Uh, and if anyone anywhere in the world wants to contact us, you can find this podcast at My Favorite Friendship on all platforms except for Twitter, where it's at My Fav Friendship because there's a character limit. And you can find Brian and I at Brian Wool and at Mark Musinski, spelled like they sound. Any last thoughts before we sign off for the week? Well, I hope you work with your friends and do a good job. <laughs> Same. Stay friendly, everyone. Bye. Bye.